The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The moment that we really experience our aliveness is right now. Um, the past is done and gone, and the future's more or less a concept at this moment. So um, I found this quote from Norman Fisher's book, Taking Our Places, kind of a great relief, as well as an intriguing mystery. He wrote, To meet one thing completely is to meet everything. The whole world is in a cup of tea. All beauty is in each flower. Each thought in the mind truly met contains all that has ever been thought. Every emotion deeply encountered contains all that has ever been felt. Every person we meet evokes all of humanity. I, I found this a relief because we don't really know how long we have to live. And a lot of us feel the unsatisfactoriness of never enough time. Never enough time today, never enough time this week, never enough time this year, never enough time this lifetime. And what if, instead of holding this constant sense of pressure about that, we relaxed into it and said to ourselves, yep, there's not going to be enough time. What if we lived a complete life in one moment, fully experienced? We can actually find all of life in a cup of tea or in an encounter with one person. Um, for one thing, I started, as I was bicycling last night, I started to realize, you know, if it weren't for my ancestors meeting each other and marrying and having kids and then them meeting other people and having kids, I wouldn't even be here riding this bike. And wait a minute, this bike and all these cars that are passing me are the result of thousands of years of human experience and human invention, and they wouldn't be here either. So all of life is right here, right now. All of humanity is right here in this bicycle, right here in me, right here with the cars passing me. Um, a number of years ago, long before I started meditating, I noticed that the completeness of an experience didn't depend on the length of time that it, I had the experience. So I had a really intense job in a high-tech uh, venture in Manhattan. And I was working 60 to 80 hour weeks at that time. And I loved art, but I rarely had time to go experience it. So one day I had 10 minutes before I was going to have to go to work. And I decided to go into the Museum of Modern Art. And um, I, during those 10 minutes, I just went to one room and I really immersed myself in the art that was in that one room. Um, I was really engaged in it, fully absorbed in it. And when I left after those 10 minutes, I felt like I had been there for hours. Um, it was really amazing. So this was one of my pre-meditation experiences of recognizing what it was like to really fully be with an experience. About a decade later, I was working for a local nonprofit called CARA, which does grief support for um, families and adults and organizations 
who have someone who's terminally ill or someone who's died. And I was asked to uh, give a two-minute talk at their annual fundraiser to, you know, represent the heart of their youth and family program and inspire generosity. I was like, two minutes? You know, I've got to get all that done. Um, But in the process of working on that speech, I discovered that two minutes is actually a really long time. And I could definitely, it was definitely enough time to talk about the compassionate support that hundreds of volunteers and bereaved families had given each other over the years. So 10 minutes, even two minutes, turned out to be ample time for really rich experiencing. And if you reflect on your own life, you might realize that you've had some very profound, very intense experiences, and that they actually only lasted a few moments. And then when you undertake this meditation practice, you start to discover that a world of stuff can happen in 5 minutes, 20 minutes, or 45 minutes. Um, You know, there's so much happening in your body, your breath, your emotions, your mind, everything that's going on around you. And at first it's like so-called monkey mind. Your mind is jumping around going, wait a minute. Um, And then... You know, not only is a lot going on over the course of one sitting, but each moment of that sitting, you start to realize there's a lot going on. So you start to recognize that the beginning of a breath is different than the middle, and that's different than the ending of it. Or it's really interesting just how relaxed your body can be when you first sit down. Feels good. And then you're sitting there for a while and tension starts coming and then pretty soon it's pain and then it gets more and more intense. And then, you know, after some significant time of practicing that way, you can start to see some of the details of those sensations. So uh, twinging or, you know, a stabbing on, off, on, off sometimes even morphing into different types of sensation. So it can become just warmth or heat, or occasionally it can even just dissolve away. So this opens another inspiration I find in that quote, to meet one thing completely is to meet everything. And that inspiration is how how am I meeting it completely? So am I insisting on more? I want more of this. I'm calm. I can finally sit here with some peace. Oh, I want this to go on forever. Or am I pushing away thinking, you know, that things aren't supposed to be this way. I'm not supposed to have an ache in my back. I do yoga. I work out. What's going on here? Um, So those attitudes actually distance me from what I'm really experiencing. And when mindfulness opens us completely to things just the way they are, there's availability to live all of life in one moment. So we have this construct of time that assigns it a scale. And I think that construct tends to lead us to delusion. Um, We unwittingly start to fall into the idea that certain things are going to be there for us, you know, they're going to be there. And they're going to be, it, the way it feels in the mind is like they're going to be there forever. 
Um, so as we age, we get to experience in depth how this was a delusion. As we gradually see what these amazing human bodies can still do and can no longer do. So my feet have been teaching me this lesson. Um, for over a year, starting in 2015, I had to do the minimum amount of walking needed to do my daily life. I had to completely give up running, hiking, walking for exercise, um, because I had some foot injuries that the doctors told me he's not sure whether they'll ever fully heal. They might or they might not. So I began to appreciate the sensation of each step and how you know, my feet are still walking, even if they're feeling discomfort, and how temporary my use of my feet, and that's the last thing I ever thought would go. You know, I thought other things would happen, but I didn't think my feet would go. So my use of them is temporary. Um, if we go through similar interactions with people in our lives, colleagues or family member or friends, year after year, we get caught in this illusion that those things are going to last forever. They're always going to be that way. Until somebody announces that they found a new job, or they're moving away, or that they're terminally ill. And as we start to have these experiences and sort of experience more meditation here, arising and passing, arising and passing, we can start to experience friends and family members and colleagues as here this moment, gone the next. Um, you know, the friend we experience today feels different than our friend felt last week. You know, maybe you've had the experience of meeting someone you haven't met in a few years or a family member who hasn't seen you in a decade and they treat you the same way that you used to be. And it's this weird feeling like, I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> so this invitation to experience all of humanity in one encounter um, holds the possibility of awakening from our delusion about time and actually take really seriously how we treat each other and ourselves. So it's also an invitation to experience all of difficult and unpleasant encounters in one moment of time as it arises and passes. So this is not to diminish how tough it is in the mind and body and heart when we're experiencing this, or that it feels fleeting. It usually doesn't feel fleeting. We can spend decades coping with a challenging family member or months agonizing over our housing situation. And yet we can also open up to the fluctuations in those moments. So unpleasantness arises, it intensifies, it falls. Maybe it's not even there for a few moments. And it's possible to discover that the difficult moments themselves are often quite brief. And it's our resistance to them or our holding on to them in the mind, you know, going over and over it, that creates the agony in those encounters. So, you know, even if you're working on bigger social issues, you know, politics or the environment, um, you can both be with the appreciation in any one moment of the efforts that you and other people are making and also be experiencing the heartache of the enormity of 
the challenges that we face. And, you know, this feeling of like, wow, there's not going to be enough time. There's not enough that I'm doing. I'm just being present with being human in trying to do that work. It's even possible to have some mindful appreciative uh, quality around pain. It, pain, anxiety, confusion sometimes alert us to things we need to pay attention to. And pain is the feeling of being a living human being too, just as much as pleasant feelings are. So we're still alive, even when our feet give out. <laughs> um, if you've ever had your foot fall completely asleep when you're meditating, and then it takes a while to get it going again, um, and you really think about how, how it would be if your, ner- if your nerves stopped working altogether and how you really couldn't function um, on that foot, it awakens some appreciation for the pain that comes when your foot finally wakes up. So having a difficult family member or colleague, it's possible to discover qualities in yourself like persistence, maybe a little bit of patience, um, learning how to communicate with them, even setting boundaries or saying no. Or you may meet someone who feels totally isolated and that they're telling you they have no one to help them, no one close. And maybe that awakens a little bit of you that can meet them and be with them or have some bit of compassion or kindness towards them um, or yourself. So each breath, each step, each moment with ourselves and with each other is enough. It's a full life. It's a life fully lived if we're really present for it. And the depth of any privilege or difficulty we have is available to us, whether it's simply being alive and breathing and feeling and thinking or using whatever small capacity we have or large capacity. So see what this invitation brings up for you as you go about your day and your week. To meet one thing completely is to meet everything. The whole world is in one cup of tea. All beauty is in each flower. Each thought in the mind truly met contains all that has ever been thought. Every emotion deeply encountered contains all that has ever been felt. Every person we meet evokes all of humanity. So I hope that's interesting for you to practice with. Thank you.